Okay, lost cat. Let's see. Um, name Boem. Our indoor cat Boem got out of the house and was gone for a day before we actually noticed she was missing. Breed Tabby. Is that, a, is that a breed? So I sat down and I filled out one of those missing cat poster templates that I found online. Age six years, hair medium. Uh, date last seen, Tuesday, what was Tuesday? May 30. The template asked for the cat's story. Story, what does that mean? What's her story? You're listening to Hidden Language, a podcast about tuning into place, bodies, and time, and discovering the unexpected ways their stories can be told. I'm Scott Lunsford. And I'm Jay Varner. In this episode, Scott looks for a lost cat and wonders about the utility of utility poles. Let's take a walk. I'm going to cross to the other side so I can walk toward traffic. We are on the side of the road. This strip of land that is one part grass of any neighbor's yard and one part blacktop of the street. The side of the road is partly ours, partly the localities, partly the community of other neighbors who walk along this same path, sharing similar experiences, leaving traces of their own footprints, Traces of their own desperations to find lost cats. Traces of posters telling the stories of those cats. Those hostages of a pandemic who have lost jobs and are looking for extra income. Of recently divorced couples. Of church leaders who divert their flocks away from the steeple during the pandemic. Stay home, they say. Stay well. Join us online this Sunday. And in between the grass in the street, this liminal area of, of gravel, which adds to it its own sound. And today it's during a morning after the rain, still a little bit of rain here as well. And we can hear the mush of the rain inside the gravel. Through our feet, we share an embodied relationship with the ground beneath. We can hear it. We can feel it. We feel the contours of tire tracks, of wet mud, of footprints that have come before us. This surface is inscribed by bodies and other things. Over generations of old trucks leaving their muddy driveways and heading down the road after a good rain. Of children jumping rope in the street. Of residents going out to check their mail. Hold on, stop. Can we cross? All everyday activities performed by communities that come together and reveal how interwoven this surface, their inscriptions, their histories really are. And as we walk, we encounter other inscriptions, inscriptions that introduce us to what's ahead. Railroad sign. Freshly painted railroad marker on the road. Two big R's cleaved by a large X. 
And over here to the left, we have the Victory Garage. This is where Bobby works. Bobby's the mechanic down the street. He has a sign out in front of his place, too. We will be closed for the next month or so due to health issues. <laughs> but he is okay. He is open. Just hasn't removed his sign yet. And then there are signs that, perhaps in a couple of words, hint at a person's past and of the person's future. Like signs advertising yard sales. You know, all of these signs provide traces of communities of people having seen, having dwelt, having been, having known, having moved on. But as traces do, they help in ongoing ways of seeing, of dwelling, of knowing, of being, of moving on. There's an anthropologist named Tim Ingold, who has a fabulous book called Lines, A Brief History. And in it, he, he digs into the idea of traces. Now, these are physical traces, and he calls them any enduring mark left in or on a solid surface by continuous movement. And he writes about two kinds of traces. One is additive, and the other is reductive. So think about the ink of a permanent marker on a piece of paper. That's an additive trace because it forms an extra layer on top of the paper, on top of the surface. On the other hand, a reductive trace takes away material from the surface. So a tire track would be reductive because the track it makes, the trace it makes, takes away dirt or mud as it drives along. There are other traces that come to us through other ways, of course, through our senses, like taste and smell, for example. So we have that aftertaste from something we might have eaten. And we can smell the trace of coffee in the air as it brews in the morning. There's another social scientist, a cultural geographer named John Anderson, who says that being in tune with certain traces allows us to be able to think on them, reflect on them, and perhaps in our more sentimental moments, reminisce about them, as we find that they may leave indelible marks on our memory or mind. And so we become in tune with the traces of histories, of stories that construct a notion of place, which Anderson says are ongoing compositions of traces. Traces then can be the ways that communities compose their lives, through walking, through stopping to talk to each other, to find an appropriate place to staple that poster looking for the lost cat. We might say that they are ongoing compositions, leaving traces for others to make sense of. Let's go back to the street. And so one of the things that I want to consider today is, is this, is this thing here. The utility pole. The utility pole that holds up the power lines throughout the neighborhood, phone service, what have you. But also the keepers of signs that tell us about yard sales, directions to birthday parties, leads us to a greenhouse. Part of the ongoing compositions that communities write along the side of the road 
rely on the vertical surfaces of posts. So I have this odd fascination with getting close to such things with a, a camera to capture an image of the wood of a utility pole, split and splintered. All of the remnants of posters, advertising past yard sales, old duct tape that has lost its stick on one side, but forever holds to its host on the other. There are rusted nails, there are rusted staples. Looking up and down the street, we see the poles marching along the grid of the town, or slicing through a field, or just one standing there, waiting for someone to make it useful again, to extend its utility beyond its intent to provide power and communication to the neighborhood. And perhaps because someone else saw that it was okay to post a sign on this pole, that maybe they had permission to do so too. And then another comes along and does the same. Besides simply supporting power lines above the utility pole and other such posts, supports other lines of power as they display traces of hope. They become vernacular pedestrian surfaces for all kinds of signs along the easements of our streets because that's where others walk and dwell and inhabit and hope. The space encourages us to create and follow traces that establish agency in public ways, but sometimes for very private matters. So we might see a sign of someone hoping, willing to work day or night, babysitting your child, or perhaps someone is willing to work at everything, you do your yard work, fix your gutters, haul your trash away, hoping. Perhaps a, a divorce leads a couple to sift through what they don't want, leaving one or the other perhaps to sell it in order to get on with their lives. So they post a, a sign. Yard sale, Saturday, 7 to whenever. There's a stop sign up ahead with a pink... Yard sale sign on it. Let's go take a look at it. This has been here before. This has been here a long time. It's wet. Yard sale Saturday. But who knows what Saturday? Last Saturday, held together by duct tape, which has now been twisted in the wind and by the elements. Other Remnants of torn duct tape as well. And across the street is a another pink sign laying on the ground. Wet from the rain. I'll peel it open and it says yard sale Saturday. Had been taped to a fiber optic cable post. The tape is still there, but the sign has fallen to the ground. Right above it is an old gas sign. We move closer to see the presence of older staples and nails that trace the presence of others who have come before us. They are the traces of rusted and splintered tactics, the nails and staples holding the remnants of posters, ads, and flyers stripped away and left there by 
generations of people needing to take similar actions. It's a palimpsest whose ruin documents a narrative of collective others who need to work extra jobs or need to support each other or need to find that lost cat. Just as I add my own footprints to the mud along a rural street, just as I help where grooves into the road, I am adding my own story to these surfaces. My own narrative, though, is annotated by fulfilling my own hope, finding that damn house cat, Boehm, who somehow got brave enough to sneak out. And I wonder what travels she has had. Is she out for a prowl? Or is she just moving from one point to another to figure out how to get back into the house? I don't question my purpose in setting out to find my cat, but I do question how I'm going to do this. I print out a dozen or so copies of the missing cat poster, and I try to figure out where I need to go, what surfaces I may encounter in order to figure out what stuff I need to affix my posters. There are telephone poles, street and highway signs, bulletin boards in the post office and the co-op, a large window at the entrance of the supermarket. I am ready to conquer my modest neighborhood, posters in hand, thumbtacks, staple gun, and tape in my pockets. So I am walking a few steps to the first utility pole that's on the corner of my street, my driveway. And I'm spreading a, a flyer onto the pole, staple it in. Okay, and there's another pole across the street in uh, a neighbor's yard. So I'm going to go over there and, and grab that one. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, can I put this here? Can I... Wait, there's a car. Uh... Can I, I mean, is this, is this even her pole? Is Well, I mean, is that one behind me, the one that I just put the flyer on, is that is that my pole in, in my yard? I mean, really, who owns these things? <laughs> well, I'm just standing here looking at this pole. And I feel, I feel comfortable walking into their yard and knock on their door and chat. But now I feel strange. I feel kind of unwelcome to enter her yard and post a flyer. I mean, she, she has cats. She has a, a, a dog and, and, and chickens and ducks. I mean, she understands. So do I just ask her if I can put this here? Does that mean that I, I'm going to have to ask everyone up and down my street if I can post a flyer? All right, let's keep going. So there's another pole right over here. Uh, across the street again. Uh, uh, another neighbor's yard, but I don't know them as well, so <laughs> yeah, I'm just going just gonna to keep walking. And I keep walking farther down the street passing more utility poles, passing more neighbors I decreasingly can call neighbors because 
My familiarity with them dwindles as I move down the street. I no longer question whether or not I post flyers on anyone else's posts but mine. I am intimidated to walk afoot into someone else's property to post a flyer of a missing cat. I have no problem, however, stepping onto another person's property to examine the thing that I am afraid to post upon. I have no problem getting close enough to look at the detail of bits of paper and tape and staples left from someone who apparently has no problem in posting their own stuff in other people's spaces. This stuff that eventually becomes the ghosts of history, these staples, these nails documenting other people's lives, whatever they were, whatever they were trying to do, unintentionally archived on the post. I hope that the reasons for their own stories, for their own staples, had been achieved. Getting the work, selling the couch, finding the cat. I hope their hopes have been fulfilled. Move on. You have been listening to Hidden Language. Music for today's episode is provided by Dana Boulay, Marcel Piquel, and Lucier Naga. Our theme music by Jay Varner. For a list of episodes, transcripts, and show notes, be sure to visit hiddenlanguagepodcast.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, please spread the word using whatever language you see best fit. Oh, and one more thing. We found Bohem. She never left the backyard. <laughs>